You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I've entitled the message this morning, Overcoming Besetting Sins. Overcoming Besetting Sins. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I believe those witnesses are the heroes of faith in chapter 11. Because whenever you see a therefore or a wherefore, you need to look back into the previous text to see what it is there for. So wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those who had overcome their besetting sins, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's now take our Bible and turn to Romans chapter 7 where Paul talks about his besetting sins and how frustrated he was with his own self. Romans chapter 7, we'll begin with verse 14, a very familiar passage of Scripture. For we know that the law is spiritual, but Paul said, I am carnal, sold under sin. It just seems like sin dominates my life. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. The law points out our misdeeds. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth within me. For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. I want to do what's right. I want to live right and be right and honor and glorify the Lord in my life. He said, I want to do that. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. This sounds like a defeated Christian, doesn't it? Verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, which I would not, that I do. Sounds like he's really been tripped up with some besetting sins. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring. So there's this war that's going on between the flesh and the spirit, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. Captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now notice what he says in verse 24. Oh, what? Oh, wretched man that I am. How many of you have ever felt that way? Yeah, me too. 
Oh, wretched man that I am. And then he says this, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Let me ask you a question here today. Is there victory over sin? Is there victory in Christ over our besetting sins? Yes, there is. The Bible says, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's word also says, now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now, if the Bible promises that we have victory in Christ, if the Bible says we can always triumph in Christ, why aren't we? Why aren't we living victoriously over our besetting sins? Why wasn't the Apostle Paul experiencing this victory of the one who wrote the most about our victory in Christ, he himself found himself from time to time being defeated by besetting sins. Well, what is a besetting sin? A besetting sin is a sin or sins which you just can't seem to get victory over. You want victory over them, but you just can't seem to get victory over them. I came across this a few weeks ago. It said there were four ministers who were dear friends who had gotten away for a weekend retreat. As they sat around the fire, one pastor said, he said, let us all share with each other our individual besetting sins. He said, I'll go first. He said, my besetting sin is that so often I slip away from the office and I go to the racetrack and I gamble on the horses. The second pastor then volunteered and said, well, my besetting sin is that I keep a bottle of wine downstairs in my basement. And when I get really frustrated with my deacons, I sneak down and I have a nip once in a while. I do not have a bottle of wine in my basement. <laughs> the third pastor gulped and said, well, my besetting sin, I... I hate to say it, but I have this punching bag at home. And when I get mad at someone in my church, I go home and I think about that person and I hit that punching bag just as hard as I can. They all turned to the fourth pastor. And they said, well, what is your besetting sin? He says, guys, I really don't want to, I really don't want to share. And so they pressured him and they coaxed him. He said, you know, it's real. My besetting sin is so embarrassing. I hate to tell you guys, and, but under pressure, he gave in. He said, my besetting sin is gossip. He said, I can't wait to get home. <laughs> well, we all struggle with besetting sins from time to time in our Christian life. As I think back over my mom's life, there were two things that uh, would make my mother chuckle more than anything else. One is she would always have this hat pin. And if you'd bend over and you weren't watching, she'd stick you in the hind end with this hat pin. And she thought that that was the funniest, absolutely funniest thing in all the world. She had to always watch out not to bend down when my mom was around because she'd stick you. The other thing is when you would stub your toe. 
My, my mom would laugh and laugh, and that would tickle her so every time you'd stub your toe. How many have ever stubbed your toe? How many have ever stubbed your toe on a piece of, on a, on a certain piece of furniture more than one time? Don't you think we'd be wise enough to avoid stubbing our toe on that specific piece of furniture? Or don't you think we'd just move it? No, but when we're not paying attention, whack, there we go again. And we stub our toe. Kind of reminds me of the besetting sins that trip us up from time to time in our Christian life. The Bible said in Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. I love this verse. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Praise God we're saved by his grace. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. I want you to understand something. God's grace is available to every single person on the face of this earth. There's not one person outside the saving grace of God. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Then once you are saved, the grace of God doesn't stop reaching out to you. The Bible says the grace of God teaches you some things. It teaches you to deny ungodliness. Did you hear the word? Deny ungodliness, worldly lust. That we are to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. I don't care whatever present world you are in. You can still live soberly, righteously and godly. Yes, I do believe it's more difficult to live that way today than it ever was before. But it is possible through the grace of God. We can live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Looking for that glory, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Listen, that he might redeem us. He bought us out of sin and the bondage of sin and our slavery to sin. He redeemed us from all iniquity. And he purified Unto himself a people zealous of good works. Now, I don't know about you, but according to these verses I have just read, overcoming habitual sin is possible. It is. Why? Because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. We can live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, overcoming any and every besetting sin if we want to. Did you hear that? If we want to. You know the reason why we don't? I'm gonna be, I, listen, one thing you know about me over all these years, I'm a straight shooter. The reason we don't is because we don't want to. Because if we would want to, God's grace would be available to us to enable us to live victoriously, 
over those besetting sins, allowing us to take those sins and set them aside. The reason we don't overcome our besetting sins is because we don't want to. Have you ever noticed that sin doesn't play favorites? It doesn't pick on one person and then avoid picking on someone else. Sin picks on all of us. Doesn't make any difference who you are. Every one of us in our lives are going to be affected by sin. Your age doesn't make a difference. Now, some sin, I believe, is age-sensitive. There are sins that I dealt with as a young man. I don't, they have no power, temptation over me today. So there are some sins that are age-sensitive. But whether you are 9 or whether you are 90, sin will pick on you. Doesn't make any difference what your race is. There is no discrimination with sin. It is after all of us. Doesn't make any difference what your sex is. Doesn't make any difference what your religious affiliation is. It doesn't make any difference what your economic status is. Sin doesn't play favorites. The Bible said, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as what? Common to man. Doesn't play favorites. So regardless of what form sin takes, and sin takes all kinds of, sin takes all kinds of different forms. It can be envy, bitterness, just a lack of joy. Do you know having a lack of joy is sin? Pride, lust, covetousness, anger, Malice, resentment, gossip, slander, worry, cursing, rebellion towards authority. Paul gave a whole list to the Galatian church. He said, the works of the flesh which are manifest are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, which is a really reprobate form of sexual immorality. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. Which is just being disagreeable. You ever been around those people that just disagree about everything? They just like to quarrel. Emulations, which means jealousy. Wrath, strife, seditions. Someone who causes division. Heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings. People just like to fight. Let's just get in a fight. I'm not happy unless I'm fighting. And the such like. Sin is always tempting us to choose our own way instead of God's way. Every time you sin, this exact, come on, please pay attention. Every time you sin, it's because you have said in your heart, I am going to choose to go my way and I am not going to go God's way. The Bible says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit is indeed is willing. Paul said that. But the flesh is what? The flesh is weak. Think about this with me, please. Rebellion. Disobedience. It is harmful. I'm going to say something here. And it's also addictive. 
rebellion, which is disobedience, is harmful and addictive. Peter said these words, while they promise them liberty, go out and do your own thing. Live your own life. Make your own decisions. While they promise you liberty, they themselves, those who promise that, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For whom a man is overcome, the same he has brought into bondage. Rebellion, disobedience is harmful and it's addictive. Bondage means addictions. Repetitive. Repetitive sinful behavior leads to more of the same. Sin produces sin. Oh, please, my dear people. Sin is a serious issue. As sin leads to sin and leads to sin, it becomes more and more ingrained in our lives. To where we get to the point where we say, I can't stop. Remember our text? For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate... That I, what? Do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Besetting sin, unconquered, will lead to enslavement. How many people do you know right now that literally are enslaved to sin? They're enslaved to drugs. They are enslaved to alcohol. They are enslaved to pornography. And you can name any of the sins that I've just previously named. Sin brings enslavement. Jesus said, whosoever committeth sin is the Servant of sin. There's some of you here today, you have not been free for a long time. Sin has completely dominated and has controlled your life. You have experienced and are experiencing, listen to me, you're experiencing what I call the descent of sin. The descent of sin. Sin has now become habitual for you. It has now become addictive to you. It has become your besetting sin. You know how this all began? It began right here. This began with you thinking unbiblically. The Bible says if you know the truth, the truth will what? It will make you free make you free. Do you realize how important it is to know the truth? To embrace the truth? To live according to truth? So the first step in overcoming besetting sins 
is the rejection of Satan's lies and the embracing of God's truth. As my wife is putting together the lessons for the teen girls' camping trip, it's based upon a book called Lies That Women Believe. And it addresses several lies that women believe because they're told these things. Listen, it's not only women that believe lies, it's men that believe them too. And let's be honest, some of us right now here listening to the preacher are believing lies. You don't know they're lies. You really believe that they're the truth because you've heard it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And you have not saturated your mind with the word of truth. You haven't engaged in Bible study, in memorization, in meditation. You do not know the word. You may have sat in church for a long time. You may have been raised in a good, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Baptist church. But that doesn't mean that you know the Word of God and that you've hidden it in your heart that you would not sin against Him. And so you're susceptible. I know, I know people who can spout the Scriptures, but they err even in the scriptures that they spout. Satan is a deceiver. And he is good at it. He is a master at it. And once he has deceived us, he comes right along immediately with his temptation and we embrace it. Once wrong thinking is embraced. And I would say this. I believe that all of us are thinking wrong in some areas of life. Come on. Because we're so influenced by this world. Once wrong thinking is embraced, the influence of that extends to our behavior. As a man thinketh in his heart, what? Eventually, the process will continue until we are entrenched in that sin more than we could ever have imagined. We never would have thought that that sin that we gave into sometimes years ago have, has brought me to this point in my life. Deception. Deception can totally and completely permeate one's entire mind. Be not deceived. Satan will tell you. The entertainment industry will tell you. The music industry will tell you. Social media will tell you. Your friends will tell you. Maybe even some of your family members will tell you, listen, sin's not that bad. Everybody else is doing it. It won't affect you. Yet I'm here to tell you, especially you young people, Every sin has consequences. 
Yes, some are more severe than others. But sin piled upon sin eventually will bring you to ruin. Now I know you don't I know some of you don't believe that. Here's what I want to say to you. Keep it up and you will. I don't mean I don't mean to be mean. But I just want to be truthful with you. Once you embrace sin, the demands of sin will keep increasing in your life. Lust produces more lust. James chapter 1. As you give yourself over, as you give yourself over to the fulfillment of the flesh and of the mind, what happens is you begin to realize sin only has short-term pleasure. Hmm. Isn't that exactly what the Bible says? Say it with me. Sin has pleasure for a season. Then here's what happens. Are you ready? Here's the progression. Then guilt sets in. If you've given yourself over to the fulfillment of the flesh and of the mind, then guilt begins to set in. Then you begin to justify your sin. The reaping process... God says, you'll reap what you sow. So to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. The reaping process begins to take place. So here's what you do. Instead of repenting, you blame others. Eventually, you'll get to the point to where you're empty, unfulfilled, dissatisfied. And so here, if you do not repent at that level... What you will do is you'll give yourself over to even greater depths of sinful behavior. Trying to fulfill the desires of your flesh, which never can and never will be satisfied. I'm telling you, this is how it is. You bet you it's true. Who just said that? Terry, thank you. This is true. Young people, you better wake up. This is true. Solomon said, chasing sin is like trying to catch the wind. Try to find the fulfillment that sin will bring. He went on to say, whatsoever my heart desired, I kept not myself from it. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Therefore, I hated my life. You know why God hates sin? Because he loves us. And he knows how damaging and detrimental sin is in our life. Once habitual sin sets in, we'll find ourselves spending more and more time trying to satisfy those lustful cravings. Let's use video games, for example. You start out playing a video game here and a video game there, and pretty soon you just get absorbed. You just get control. You just have to play those videos. It becomes addictive to you. 
And you all know people, they'll, they'll play for 24 hours straight. Till their mind turns to mush. It's the same thing with sexual sin. Takes us to the depths of depravity. Same thing with bitterness. Once this habitual sin takes hold, we spend more and more time sinning. And, and here, here's, what I, here's what I find through observation. Our care and our concern for others diminishes. We become concerned only with who? We become self-absorbed, self-focused. Life is now... It's all about me and what brings pleasure to me and what brings joy to me. And yet there's that emptiness. The hollowness. Over time, sin's entrapments take its toil. And they lead us to self-destruction. Then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I can't deal with this life anymore. Satan has you right where he's always wanted you to be. It is possible to become so defeated by sin and its consequences that even you as a Christian will become suicidal. How many here know of some Christians who have taken their lives? Can I see your hand? Me too. No doubt they were believers. But they went through the same progression that I've been laying out for you here today. Faith in Christ. Faith in his word. Will set you free. For sin. Shall not. Have dominion over you. For ye are not under law. But you're under grace. My dear friends, the road to freedom over besetting habitual sin starts with casting down imaginations. Bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ and embracing God's word by faith. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the skeptic says. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what those YouTube preachers are telling me. I am going to embrace and live by the truth of this blessed book that's been preserved for us by the Spirit of God. John said, Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. 
want you to understand something here today. I have faith that every single word in this good old King James Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant, authoritative Word of God. And that it and it alone will dispel Satan's lies. If we are not careful to cast down those imaginations, Satan will get a stronghold. Casting down imagination. Every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here we go, are you ready? And having a readiness, that means right now, to revenge all disobedience when my obedience is fulfilled. That's it. It stops right here. It stops right here. I'm making the reason I have not lived victoriously over my besetting sins because I haven't wanted to. It stops right here today. You know what that's called? It's called repentance. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors. You must believe and you must embrace the truth of Scripture. I am a conqueror. Say that with me. I am a conqueror. Say that with me. I am a conqueror. I am an overcomer. Say it with me. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Sin shall not have dominion over me. Say it. Sin shall not have dominion over me. I believe it. Satan would desire you, have you, sift you like wheat. Get thee behind me, Satan. This is the truth. I'm going to believe and I'm going to embrace the truth. And this besetting sin is going to be buried today, right up here at this altar. I want to give you another good suggestion. Avoid places where sin lurks. Hmm? Avoid the places where sin lurks. That means the computer. That old nasty cell phone. In Genesis chapter 4 and verse 7, listen to this verse. It says, sin lieth at the door. It's right outside that door. And unto thee shall be his desire. You walk through that door and you're not aware that sin lurks behind that door. That sin's going to pounce on you. So you better be careful what door you go through. And then it says this. Listen to the end of the verse. And thou shalt rule over him. Rule over what? The sin that lurks behind the door. So as you open that door and sin starts to jump on you, you grab that old sin by the neck and throw it on the ground and kick it in the face. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof.
There is no temptation taking you, but such as common to man, but God will with that temptation make a way to what? Make a way to what? The reason you don't have victory is because you don't want it. Flee also youthful lust. Follow righteousness, faith, godliness with those that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I want to close by returning to this word repentance. You know, without repentance, a person can't be saved. You ever notice that when the apostles went forth in the book of Acts, they went forth everywhere preaching repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is a change in your thinking that results in a change in your behavior. This is what I thought about as I got to that point. I thought, that's what I seek to do every Sunday. That's why it's important to be in church and listen to the preacher. What I am trying to do every Sunday is change the way you think. I'm trying to get you to think biblically, rightly. And that's what repentance is, to realize I've been thinking wrong about this thing. I need to think correctly about it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, repentance is more than just a heartfelt sorrow or guilt. Paul said, now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed unto repentance. Do you think sometimes people come forward at the altar and they're very sorry and they're feeling guilt over their sin, but then they go back and continue to commit the same sin they just came up afraid about? You say, why that? They didn't sorrow unto repentance. They never really changed their thinking. When true repentance takes place, I guarantee you, a change in life will happen. You cannot be saved without repentance, and you cannot live a victorious Christian life without repentance. It is the key to overcoming besetting sins. The Lord said, As many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Does God love us? If you love someone, you're going to be willing to rebuke them and chasten them in order to bring them to a place of repentance. You know what? You may be, may be mad at this preacher this morning for what he just said, but I want you to know something. I love you anyway. And you may take your fists and you may shake it toward God and say, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm going to tell you something. He's going to love you anyway. And what I'm going to ask you to do this morning, if you want victory over your besetting, habitual, addictive sins, I'm going to tell you, victory is available to you at the altar. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. 
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.